when uh, the well-known book All Quiet on the Western Front, anyone read it? There we go, very good. Uh, you may recognise this story. Uh, it's a novel about uh, German soldiers during uh, the war, and there's a story of a remarkable encounter between two enemy soldiers uh, that happens during that war. During the battle, uh, a, uh, one soldier takes shelter in a crater made by artillery shells that have been fired by the Allies. And looking around, he sees a wounded man from the Allies, from the opposite side, uh, in the crater, dying. This soldier's heart goes out to this man from the other team, uh, and instead of perhaps um, sending a bayonet through him or uh, some other type of thing that you might do in that situation, uh, this soldier treats him with humanity. He gives him water from his canteen and he listens as the dying man speaks of his wife and his children. He helps him find his wallet and takes out pictures of his family to look at one last time. It's a remarkable encounter, an encounter where two men cease to be enemies and find unity in something deeper. In this case, their shared humanity. No longer is it two enemy combatants, but two fathers, husbands, two people who are loved and who love others. The soldier sees someone just like himself there in that crater. And it's quite a powerful little story. And of course, what we see uh, in our reading today is Paul continues to work out uh, this powerful work of the gospel in the lives of the Ephesian church, and as we started to see last week as well, is that God's grace is a truly powerful and remarkable thing. It is God's grace that enables enemies to become friends. It is God's grace that joins all people from all walks of life together and unites them with a new hope and a new purpose with something even deeper than our shared humanity, our shared identity in Christ. For those who are uh, just visiting, we're in the middle of a series on the book of Ephesians and uh, what we've seen so far is that this book is about how God has raised us with Christ to live a resurrection life for his glory. We've seen that as we uh, Put our faith and trust in Jesus, we get this new identity of being raised in Christ. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 1.13, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The coming of the gospel into our lives and our response to it with uh, faith is a tra truly transformative thing. It gives us a new identity, and this new identity is a source of our hope and a source of God's power for us. In Ephesians 8, 1, 18 and 19, Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength which raised Christ from the dead. We've seen that 
our new identity that we have in Christ as Christians is something that comes to us freely as a gracious gift. It's something that we are given by God, not something that we earn. This new identity, so remarkable, so powerful, and yet completely non-contributed to by us. It comes directly from God and his grace. Chapter 2, verses 8 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I was talking to someone uh, this week who was reflecting on the life of someone he knew, uh, and uh, he kept telling me that uh, this person that he knew surely would be in heaven because of what a good person she was. I I hear this time and time again when I comfort people uh, in uh, uh, when someone they love has died. I once had someone tell me that they were convinced that their wife would be in heaven because if she wasn't in heaven, how could anyone be in heaven? Well, that's exactly the thing. No one can be in heaven by themselves. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork, verse 10 of chapter 2, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The gospel it upends the way we like to think about things. We like to think that we've earned something. We like to think that we've contributed something. But no, it is not from yourself. It is not from us, but it is from God so that no one can boast. It's very tempting uh, when you come to a funeral service. And I've got a funeral on my mind because tomorrow we're farewelling uh, Great Stalwart of the Parish in um, Joan uh, Johnston. And it's very tempting as we celebrate Joan's 97 years uh, to talk about all the wonderful things that she did, all the marvellous contributions uh, that she made to our church over a large portion of those 97 years. But when we gather tomorrow, we're not going to be boasting in Joan's life, are we? We're going to be boasting in the hope of glory because of the gift of God given to Joan and given to us. Grace, salvation through faith. And then all those wonderful things that Joan did, they're good works, which God prepared in advance for her to do, and we thank God for them. The gospel is a powerful thing. We're raised with Christ, not by our own efforts, but by God's grace to live a resurrection life created in Christ to do good works. And all this is not for our glory, it's for God's. And what we've seen then is how this truth about how it's not about us, it's not about who we are, it's not about what we've done, but it's about God and who he is and what he has done, this truth transforms human relationships. It brings together warring parties, it brings together long-held enemies, and it makes them one in Christ. His purpose, we read in chapter 2, verse 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, 
thus making peace. And that, that theme of, the, of enemies becoming friends in Christ, of God bringing together different people from different backgrounds, is really the, uh, the theme with which Paul continues, having started it halfway through chapter 2 in our reading today. Paul continues by talking about how the church is a place where strangers and people who are different come together to become part of one family. And he does this, he reflects on this by reflecting on the wonder of God's grace. And he starts with a bit of a personal reflection. We see that Paul reminds the Ephesians that uh, Paul has too been saved by this grace. It's Paul who has been taken from death to life in Christ and it's Paul who's been created in Christ to do good works which God has prepared for in advance for him to do. And so he talks to them as he opens this next part of the chapter, this, this next chapter, chapter 3, about how God's grace has been at work in his life. That is, he talks about the good works that God has had for him to do. Surely you have heard, he says in verse 2, about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. We know Paul was once heading around the world trying to kill Christians. He was on a mission to keep the Jews free of this horrible sect called Christians. But as we read about in Acts chapter 9... God has different plans for Paul than Paul has for himself. And so God miraculously intervenes in Paul's life so that he goes from cheering on the stoning death of Stephen to the preacher of the gospel to Jew and Gentile, but particularly to the Gentiles. What a remarkable trans transformation that is for a man whose intent on maintaining the purity of the Jewish church to become the one who wants to take the good news of salvation, especially to the Gentile, to the widest possible audience. God's grace is given to Paul for the good of others. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept, kept hidden in God who created all things. This mystery is that God is bringing together people in Christ. Verse 6, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and share us together in the promise in Christ Jesus. It is truly remarkable how the gospel brings people together. And I talked about this last week. But the Jews and the Gentiles, they really were not good friends. Gentiles were cut off from God. They weren't allowed full participation in the worshipping life of the Jewish community. And yet in Christ, they can come together. There is perhaps no better news our world wants to hear than peace and unity can be found. 
The problem our world has is it's looking for it in all the wrong places. We don't need to get rid of religion to find peace. Rather, we need to get our religion right. We need to come to God, who creates peace through the blood of his Son and who brings people into right relationship with him and each other through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only through receiving God's grace that we'll ever see true peace between enemies, true peace between those at war. What we need, what the world needs, is the good news of the gospel spread far and wide and God's powerful work by his spirit to cause it to be accepted and received. And God actually has a plan for how that's going to happen. And that plan involves you and me because God gives that grace that reconciling grace that brings people together he gives it to us to the church to live it out his intent verse 10 was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms see what's meant to happen in the church is that We're meant to be a little picture, an illustration of the reality of what God has done for us in Christ. That God has made peace with himself and humanity and therefore we can enjoy peace with each other. You imagine if you lived in Ephesus and you knew that the Jews and the Gentiles, they, they didn't really get along, and you walked into wherever they were having church in Ephesus one Sunday, and you're scratching your head, and you think, that guy's a Jew. She's a Gentile. They're like hanging out and chatting and sharing food. What a remarkable sort of mind-blowing thing that must have been. What a glorious picture of the church. Many years ago, I was uh, at a friend's bucks party. Uh, and <laughs> all the stories you could tell when you start an illustration like that, hey? But uh, I was at a friend's bucks party and I was talking to one of his non-Christian friends uh, who was a journalist. Uh, and I forgave him for that. But uh, we were... Um, I, I, as I was talking to him, he said to me, I've never been to a party like this before. Everyone's so different. Every party I go to, everyone's basically a journalist or a, or a politician because that's all we, you know, all, that's all we know. We, that we hang out with the same people. And, and if there is any difference, we have one thing that unites us is that we lived, used to live near each other and we went to school together. But at this party, you're all different. You all do different things and you're from different places. It's remarkable. Now, if I was trying to be an A-plus student, I'd, tell you, I'd, I'd say to him, and at that moment, I explained the gospel to him, um, and uh, he, he came to faith in the Lord Jesus. But I didn't. I just thought, isn't that interesting? Um, that's probably got something to do with the fact that we're all Christians. Um, maybe I'll get another chance one day in the future. But that's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to show to the world out there that people who are different can come 
together because of our shared faith in Jesus and our knowledge that we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ Jesus. The church shows the manifold wisdom of God. Uh, another way that that can be translated is like the multicoloured wisdom of God. It shows the world how God can bring together all different kinds of people into one new humanity. So God gives us this grace as the church to make his wisdom known, to show the power of what he's doing. But he also gives it to us so that as the church, as we live it out, we can go to God and approach him with confidence and freedom, seeking him, his power to work powerfully in our world. In him, verse 12, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God's grace is a remarkable thing. You haven't got that yet. Not only does God's grace bring us peace, not only does God's grace bring us into the church, not only does God's grace enable us to experience a a new way of relating one to another, not only does God's grace bring peace where there was once enmity, but God's grace, you think that'd be enough, God could stop there, but God's grace also gives us full and free access to God. We can approach him with freedom and confidence We have this wonderful peace with one another, this wonderful community of faith, and together and as individuals, we're able to go to God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, because of what Christ has done. So, let me encourage you to trust God's grace, to believe that he has given it to you, and to know that you can go to God with freedom and confidence. Not because you're a good person, not because he should listen to me or you, but because of who Jesus is. You can go to God confidently with freedom and ask for his help to live out the calling which he has put on your life, to be a Christian here in Lindisfarne or wherever you're watching from at home. You can go to God and ask with confidence for his help, for his power to work as he builds his church and causes us to be a wonderful community together. So let's pray. And let's pray that we would reflect the kind of community that we're supposed to reflect, a community that is diverse but united in the gospel. Uh, And let's pray that as we do that and as churches all around the world do that, uh, this would be a, a way for God to work powerfully. And let's do that now, freely and confidently trusting in Christ. So let me pray for us.